0: You just feel tired, you feel weak, and when you feel weak, you feel like you wanna just give up,
1: but you gotta search within you, you know? try to find that inner strength, and just pull that shit out of you, and get that motivation to not give up, and not be
2: a winner, no matter how bad you wanna just fall flat on your face. So I collapse, I'm spilling these rats long as you fill them, till the day that I drop, you'll never say that I'm not killing them. I think are we are live, this is Drop the Gloves here I on 88.5 WCUG man, man. Cougar Radio, and I hope and pray that we are live again, bear with us, this is always, this is this is how it always is, uh, we, yes, every time, every first week, uh, it's always um, rust that is being shaken off and making sure that everything is working correctly. Um, as I see all the staff members of WCUG working hard trying to help me out, I really, I, again, I hope we are live. Again, we're on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio, and we have a lot that we are going to be getting into. Again, this is Drop the Gloves. Thank y'all for tuning in on this wonderful Monday night. We have a new time instead of 5 to 6, it is 6 to 7. And we have a ton of college football to get into, NFL preseason overreaction, Super Bowl projections. I mean, Wendell is like, when he texted me today, what are we talking about? I mean, he was just eager and oozing out with enthusiasm of talking about his projections. Hypothetical guesses, I call them, I mean, wouldn't it be a hypothesis? Wouldn't a prediction be a hypothesis? I mean, yeah, educated yeah,
1: yeah, guess? Yeah, that's an inference. You need I tr- good. You need no, I no, was trying, no, I, <laughs> and that's the funny thing.
2: One of my classes that I've started, I've taken three classes a semester is uh, environmental science. I have prolonged taking my science because I cannot stand science. Mm-hmm. It is definitely not my strength and uh, I'm taking that and we're in a lab and we had to give our hypothesis today for one of the labs we were doing. So I, that was just on the top of my head. So I was just trying my bad. I guess that didn't, that didn't go together. Wendell, how was your summer?
1: It was fantastic. Uh, Didn't do too much other than just pretty much worked all summer, but made some money. So that's always good, but that's about it. Watch a little baseball. Well,
2: again, we're about to go to Facebook Live. It's just a little rust right now. Uh, We haven't talked sports, or we've talked sports. We haven't done a live show in two months, so bear with us. We're gonna get better as the weeks goes on. Uh, It is game week. College football is here. It's crazy to think because normally, uh, over the last several years that that I've done the show on here on eighty eight point five from Tip and Thrift Show to now drop the gloves. Normally, we have about two weeks of pre shows before we get into actual game week, brother. It's here. I mean, it. The train is a rolling. We have the Kirby Smart uh, Kool-Aid drinkers to my left, which is Wendell Barfield. Cannot wait to engross us with his 12-0 prediction from uh, Georgia. Um, and then we have Auburn uh, playing, I think, the toughest game one opening weekend game this weekend outside of LSU, which I think they're just inferior when I'm talking about uh, same caliber team. Michigan-Notre Dame, too. Uh, you know what? Michigan-Notre Dame is pretty good, but, okay. I mean, I think – we both agree that Washington and Auburn right now in preseason are a step ahead of Michigan and Notre Dame. Do you I agree. Agree? I agree? Until seen otherwise. Yes. Uh, well, again, we're going to go to Facebook Live. Call in at 706-507-8617. We're getting a college football preview in Super Bold Projections. It is a play on of words. We're making fun of everyone that does this. I mean – No one really knows. Even Phil Still, as I look at his $19 magazine that has every stat known to man over the last six years for your team. That's a book. All 119 teamed him. This is a book. It's not a magazine. You're right. This is a full book. And I I will agree it it is a helpful insight tool when you're talking sports. But even he is educated, giving an educated guess. So, again, we're going to have our Super Bowl projections um, after that. Uh, NFL overreaction, it's preseason. And you're already hearing the Steve Sarkeesian should be fired. Six points, got shut out by the Jets. We'll get into that. Major League Baseball, if you were to ask Wendell last time we did a show, which was in May, would the Atlanta Braves be in first place, 18 games over five hundred?
1: In August.
2: In August. About to head into September, Wendell oh, no. would have said, he would have laughed in your face. Maybe he would have, co- your face. First, but he would have laughed in your face. first, but definitely not this high He would have laughed in your face. Uh, By the way, I see your Cubs um, started off slow, second year in a row, and now they're number one team in the NL, probably the favorite to go to the World Series.
1: 23 games, um, over 500 right now in the NL with the best record.
2: And a lot of your players are coming back off injury. That's right. So we'll get into that and a lot more. Thank you all again for tuning in. Uh, The first thing I do want to get into is what just happened recently, uh, the shooting that happened in Jacksonville. Um, As a person that likes playing video games but not to that extent, and actually my colleague and one of my good friends, Wendell Barfield, who I'm doing the show with right now, he loves playing video games. So again, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but that kind of stuff, do you, do you think that was more planned or do you think this guy was just over his head and got that mad at a video game that he reacted this way? I don't know all the facts, um, but again, again, when I'm, I'm, Talking about video games and violence, and you're talking about Grand Theft Auto, again, this is what we both grew up on, so I'm not making fun of video games. I love video games. But to what extent is this over the line? Is this where change needs to be made?
1: Such as in, like, legislation and things like that? Yes. I mean, possibly yes, but, you know, I don't like to get into all that stuff, but... I don't know what was going through the kid's head.
2: Maybe I'm, kids are not mentally capable. Maybe that's another thing to play at a young age video games. But then again, I also read that playing video games at a young age helps your with your hand-eye coordination. There's also benefits to... So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Solving, 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 it, not playing all the time, but playing it every now and then. It does help you, but go ahead.
1: Uh, I, like I said, I don't know what was going through the guy's head. I, I get mad at video games, especially mad, and not the point where I would do what he did, obviously. Um... I would like to know why he was thinking what he was thinking or why he felt the need to go in and shoot what was it, four people and injuring what, nine more, um, and why he thought that it was okay to go and do that. And obviously, the gun laws and gun legislation, it's a big hot topic right now in politics. I'm not going to get into that. I mean, you can, but I'm not. No, no, we're not getting into <laughs> um, that on a
2: sports show. Uh, we, we draw the line with politics here.
1: And, I, and especially, I know in the esports gaming community, uh, it's really close niche. And I know in Madden, what I've heard and read the Madden community, a lot of these guys scrim or scrimmage against each other. They'll play professional scrimmages against each other to practice and uh, to learn different things and how to get better at the game, which is just kind of crazy because it seems like this guy was a, a part of that big um, niche or that community of the Madden esports and that he would go and do something and turn on the people that they, they said who's actually won a Madden tournament before, so I'm surely, sure he's highly praising the community, which I don't follow the Madden esports community that much anyway. But like I said, uh, I don't know what was going through his head, and it's obviously a shame that he had to go and do what he did and then obviously took his own life afterwards.
2: Uh, again, no game is worth someone's life, and it, nowhere should it be something that serious. Um, but again, I just I thought that was news, uh, especially with it being dealing with sports. I didn't know it was that competitive. Um, I know that it is a big deal to be ranked and be – and, and it's also a big deal nowadays to be ranked and, and to uh, play video games at an elite level. That is a huge deal now. I mean, you make YouTube shows making, I mean, the guy from Fortnite, I mean, he's making hundreds of thousands of maybe even millions of dollars because of how many followers he has. But in light of all that, I, I do think that some type of change needs to happen or just discussion, maybe not even change, just discussion uh, about the things that can lead to this. Because I don't think this is going to be the first time uh, that something like this can happen if there is no discussion. That's that's my only critique. Um, another thing that I want to get into, and I just find it funny too, um, again, not not making light of the situation because it is, it is heartbreaking and it's disgusting what happened at Ohio State University uh, with Zach Smith. I just find it almost hilarious that Georgia fans – are the main outcry for Urban Meyer to be fired in this area. It's Not, no, no, no. It's, no it, there is huge – I understand that. There's huge critics. Everybody is bashing Ohio State and Urban Meyer for the way they handled this situation. But it seems like before this conference and before the actual three-game suspension, when this all began, when I have a lot of Georgia fans around me, they were saying off with his head. And I just find it funny that a a team that was completely dominated by Urban Meyer uh, is yelling off with his head. Um, I do think, though, again, he handled the situation poorly. Um, But is it fireable in today's society when we're watching what is happening in the White House? And again, we're not trying to get into politics, but... Everyone has shadows, and it's Urban Meyer is not the one that committed the act. Now, he is the one that is in charge. When he finds out an act has been committed, he should probably handle it and fire Zach Smith. Why would he keep a, a receiver's coach that really he could replace with like that? I mean, they at look Ohio at the coach, State. look at the coaches they have right now. Everybody's talking about you know this is off what I was just saying, but at Ohio State, you, Urban Meyer is gone, but they have. Kevin Wilson was a former head coach. Greg Schiano, a former head coach, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And then you got two young guys in, Ryan Day, up and coming, off, great offensive mind, and the guy that just came from Washington State, Alex Grinch. I mean, there, there's so much talent uh, at, when it comes to a coaching staff on this Ohio State team that I don't think him missing three games is going to be that big a deal, which is why I don't understand why he didn't fire Zach Smith like he couldn't replace him. But is that worth firing, though? Just, Over the guy that averages twelve wins a season, Wendell.
1: I just don't understand how a guy, especially at of school, where they recently their last coach was fired because of a tattoo scandal, and how some and point, that's
2: unbelievable. Now you're looking back on it, that's probably the stupidest thing they ever fired someone. Tattoos to,
1: and Dodge Chargers, and but that's more the
2: NCAA, is right. it not? More than Ohio State. And,
1: and at that point, he got he got. Uh, we can look back at the timeline. Jim Tressel was suspended two games. Everybody was upset about that. So Ohio State said, "All right, we'll make it five games, the same as the players. The players that got caught with the tat- getting tattoo deals and getting new cars, and also, even though they found out that the uh, the tattoo artist was ended up being a drug dealer anyway, uh, so they, ma- they ended up making Jim Trussell's, uh suspension five games, and then finally they just ultimately fired him because the public was just all over them trying to get him to fire him for what he did, because people have been fired for much much less." And I know you've probably seen the pictures out there of Todd Gurley and AJ Green. They've sold they sold memorabilia. Mem- excuse me, memorabilia. Uh, Todd Gurley did for like three thousand dollars for one jersey, and then which he got four game suspension. And AJ Green signed some stuff in Miami, and he got four games. And then I think I saw something along the lines of uh, one of the LSU players who failed a drug test. Uh, he ended up, he, he didn't go take his drug test, but then he ultimately passed the one that he was supposed to go take. And he, they were still suspended for, I think, a year, in enti- or actually two years. I think he suspended for two entire years. But getting to the point of that Urban Meyer, under Title IX, was supposed to report this to the NCAA and to the cops, even though he said he did, but then there's also text messages saying that he did not. Um, and then he also apparently asked interns if he could figure out a way to get his message to delete after one year. It's just all kind of fishy, and I don't think the NCAA's done investigating this, and I don't think other people are done investigating this, especially Brett McMurphy, because this is honestly a slap in the face to Brett McMurphy because his intentions was probably to get Urban Meyer fired, and this is going to make his career right here. And I know that sounds terrible, but that's it's, it's why he can make money anyway. Yeah, So, uh,
2: which is why, again, I question the motives of Brett McMurphy. And, again, I understand that he got the source from – from the wide, you don't
1: throw all of that stuff out there, and then hope he gets a three-game suspension. Which ultimately, I don't even think their big first, their first Big Ten game is even before the first three. So, uh,
2: my only thing is, I don't think it's worth firing, but I do think that it was worth at least suspending, you know, maybe half a season, finding
1: him. That's what I still don't understand. Three games, how players sell stuff, and then he he hides. To protect his program and all the money that his program p- could potentially make by hiding. This
2: is where I want to, discussion needs to be led. Instead of more on the lines of, hey, is Urban Meyer need more than three-game suspension? Why don't we actually talk about the fact that the players are treated unfairly compared to coaches? Agree or disagree? I agree. A player's not allowed to transfer. Our coach can sign a contract one year, Todd Graham with Pittsburgh, five-year contract, and can turn around after 6-6 and and not even tell the players he's leaving, leave them a note like Bobby Petrino did with the Falcons in 07. They're allowed to do that without much criticism nationally. But the NCAA brings the hammer down when it comes to the transfer rule. That hammer comes down so hard that we have players that are trying to go to Arizona making up allegations in t- about Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher that a lot of top programs do, hard meetings, practicing every day. I mean, this is what Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, this is what their tree does. So if you're a Georgia fan or Alabama fan, you should be laughing at this, saying, A&M, uh, this is what y'all wanted, so please don't turn your back on Jimbo because one player who wants to transfer, who needs a reason why he transferred to play uh, be eligible immediately uh, says this about them. Because um, he's
1: not starting an A&M, ultimately.
2: Exactly. I think the discussion I think you're absolutely right. It needs to be upon why are the players mistreated so unfairly when it comes to taking money, signing jerseys, Des Bryant, Deion Sanders. Are you kidding me? This is why again it always irks me with Georgia. No one, I don't think anyone denies Nick something happened with Cam Newton. There was some type of transaction. No one denies I mean, that. that. But Auburn didn't throw Cam Newton under the bus. That's yeah. the one thing I don't understand with Georgia, why you threw A.J. Green and Todd Gurley under the bus. Y'all both knew that is something minuscule. You should have just kept riding with it three and grand, saying.
1: Three Three freaking grand? Yes. That kid's going to make you $50 million in one year, you know, or whatever.
2: It's a joke. It's a joke. I completely agree with you. Uh, and especially if I was a Georgia fan, looking back on Todd Gurley and what could have been that 2014 season, if you had him all four of those games, including the game you lost to Florida, more along the leadership value, because you had Chubb, who was an excellent back, but the leadership value and this overall, being able to take over a game, even though Chubb was great, he was still a freshman. Uh, Again, moving on from Urban Meyer and the NCAA, which do we not clown them all the time, Wendell? Is it not Mark Emmert and the NCAA is a complete joke? Which is why I don't understand... I think there is going to be a semi pro league college football, and they're just going to these college football teams going to make their own semi pro team they're not going to be a part of the NCAA no more. Well, what I've there's, not gonna, that, there's not going there's not going to be college football.
1: That what, what I'm trying to get, what get at. Vince McMahon is trying to do with that XFL is trying to ultimately make it where they can have a semi professional league where college or high school players can come out of high school and get paid right away. Now I don't know if that's a good idea for the college players or how well those people will be treated or how well they'll be compensated but obviously that's to be dated but I I would I don't understand why you could you could go get an education at least and bank on that and also play for an awesome university like especially like Georgia Alabama Auburn those teams like that USC UCLA thing and like Texas just obviously awesome programs like that instead of possibly maybe getting paid or if you get hurt you still don't get paid and things like that.
2: All right, moving on from the top storylines in college football to the actual preview, which we're going to be getting to probably the next, you know, 10 minutes and in the first 10 minutes of the second segment because this is primarily what everybody loves to talk about, which is college football. Um, we're going to do some surprise teams, our college football playoff. Uh, we're going to give our SEC predictions. Uh, but before all that, I want to ask you this. We talked about you know the head coaching guys last year, right? Going into the season now, you had a full offseason season to look. Who has the ultimate opportunity in front of them to take advantage in their first season and not only contend you know for their conference, but maybe even nationally uh, for a championship? What coach would you put in there who has that best opportunity?
1: I'm going to throw a little curveball, like a first year coach, and, it, uh, and I think I would say Chip Kelly. Just because, because talent wise, I'm reading that he
2: doesn't have a ton. But then again, he didn't have a ton in Oregon either.
1: Right? It's not so much, and they do have talent at UCLA. They usually always do. Um, But I think he could turn them around fairly quickly. And also, I think them being in a weaker uh, a weaker Power Five conference in the Pac-12, with probably Washington, I would say probably being the best team, and Oregon probably uh, possibly coming on the up and up. I just think they have the easiest road out of any of these coaches. I know Jimbo Fisher's awesome, but he's going to have to face Auburn, Alabama, and, I, and I'm probably going to dog LSU a lot, a lot this year, but it's still being a tough game. Uh, I just think the easier road with the tougher teams being like a Washington or a USC, and even a Stanford, I think UCLA possibly has the easiest road, but also Chip Kelly being a very good college coach and using what he has around him to make his teams better. Uh, I think that's the best pick, and, and maybe it's a little out there. and Some people might not think of it. but I, think- I don't think so. But, yeah.
2: Honestly, I think that's a great – I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's um, okay. Another thing I want to add on to all the points you made is the fact that the conference and the division that he's in is wide open. Yep. Uh, you have USC, who has starting a new quarterback, for true freshman JT Daniels. Um, you have Utah, who this could be their year. They returned a bunch of starters from last year from a 9-4 team. But it's Utah. But it's Utah. Arizona State and the experiment of Herm Edwards, which <laughs> I do not think is going to work. You you have that. That's a big question mark. I think, to be honest, the really the surprise team you could throw in there is Arizona because you know Kevin Sumlin coming in with Jake Spavital with a Khalil Tate. I mean that that's that's uh, that's equal to a great offense in which I think could take over that division just because they have a lot of talent come back and Khalil Tate being the superstar that he is. Uh, but uh, honestly, the coach that I think that has uh, the most talent coming back. Uh, that I think really could make it noise this season is Dan Mullen. Wow. I know everybody wants to buy into Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. And I understand Joe Moorhead. my second pick. And yeah. Moorhead's from Furman. 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 Uh, which is in Division One, AA. Mm hmm. And.
1: Former Penn State offense coordinator as well.
2: Exactly, but I was just saying that he has head coaching experience. Yeah. Unlike Jeremy Pruitt, he was Co- just a yeah. coordinator his whole time. Um, but also, he took over Penn State in 2016, which that was the turning year for their program after two subpar seasons with James Franklin. He's been there the last two seasons. But he also had Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley. I would say that Nick Fitzgerald's up there talent-wise with Trace. Do so you agree? Yeah. I mean, Trace can throw better, but I think Nick Fitzgerald's that's more elusive. It, that's his problem, yeah. That's and is more, t- more of a Tebow. Um, and, but the one thing that I don't think people are understanding is this is Mississippi State, which is, it's, it's like almost an unexplainable thing that I'm trying to explain
1: inexplicable
2: is 2014. I thought that was one of their better teams ever in the history of Mississippi State and probably ever. They couldn't beat Alabama, who I thought that was one of the weaker Alabama teams over the last six, seven seasons that still managed to make the playoff that year. Um, and also beat, lost old Ole Miss and ended up finished 10-2 and then got smacked around in the Orange Bowl against Georgia Tech. I think Dan Mullen's a better coach than Miss than Joe Moorhead. Um, again, I know Joe Moorhead is on track to come in and take over this team that has a ton, a ton of talent. But it's Mississippi State. I, I, it's Mississippi State when you think of programs like that when you say Arizona, South Carolina those programs like South Carolina did under Steve Spurrier can get to the top they rise, they're the they're top of the crop top 10 team but they don't have enough depth to be able to consistently stay dominant for an entire season yeah. yep. what was the best record for South Carolina they had Jadavian Clowney, Marcus Lattimore Connor Shaw Ten and two was their best record every single season, finished in the top five, top ten. Eleven and two every single year. That was their best record. That was what Steve Spurrier, I consider top three head coach of all time. I just think when programs like Mississippi State and South Carolina, their front twelve, front twenty-four, their first twenty-four are, are great. But over oh, a dude. long period of time, I think that, especially in the SEC, that wears you down. I really do. And totally. again, this is Mississippi State. Now, this is still going to be a good team. But a team that I want to buy into is Florida because that is a program that makes national dominance. Now, Mississippi State has a better team than them right now. Right now. But Florida returns a lot of players coming back next year, and there's one thing that they have going for them that I don't think is, it is indisputable and you cannot argue it, is wherever Dan Mullen goes, there's a quarterback.
1: Now, This is where I'll disagree.
2: Utah, Alex Smith, Florida, Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, Mississippi State going back to Tyler Ralph, to uh, Dak Prescott, and to now Nick Fitzgerald. Whatever it is, he finds a guy, and he fits his all, uh, offense around that guy's strength. And to be honest, talent-wise, Felipe Franks, Is just as talented as any quarterback that he's probably ever had at Mississippi State. Now, Dak Prescott went on to become great, but I'm talking about at the initial age of 18 years old, Philippe Franks was a four-star. Dak Prescott was unheard of, and look what he did with him. Just give him some talent. I think this Florida team's still good enough to win nine or ten games this year, and I think because of the name brand alone in Florida, once they start collecting wins, and if they go to Mississippi State and win at Mississippi State, I think they can gain a lot of momentum going in an East that has South Carolina, who's okay, and Georgia. That's just my opinion. Uh,
0: and I understand. And, and,
2: and, again, Mississippi State plays in the West. That was one of the main points. I don't think they're going to make it outside of, even if they do beat Auburn, I don't think they're going to beat Alabama. It's, it's too tough in the West. I think Florida has a better chance in the East than they do uh Mississippi State does in the West. That's one of the main reasons, too.
1: And I don't disagree that Dan Mullen can uh, produce or uh, create or some type of talent, you know, at quarterback, which he's done obviously over the years. I just personally don't see how Felipe Franks as a passer, and yes, I know Nick Fitzgerald is not the best passer of the ball. How about that
2: 75 yard bomb last year against he Tennessee? Now ball. it was fluke. It's fluke, but it still shows the arm <laughs> yeah, strength he that arm he strength. has the arm strength to make and he has the ability to make the throws, but can he? Can he develop? Do you want to talk
1: about Jacob Eason for a minute, with your your hatred for him?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Look, I remember to this day joking around saying, uh, "Jake Jake Fromm Fromm starter week one," and I just kept saying it over and over again, you know, for six months straight last year. You were wrong. I I mean, ask Tip Lynch, ask Wendell, ask anybody that knows me. I kept saying Jake Fromm starter week one, just into the show, just to be funny, because I'm hearing Jake Fromm's better than Eason, and I was trying to make a point that. Just because, you know, he comes in and does good on 7 7 and shell drills doesn't mean he's better than a guy that started the entire season as a freshman and had a couple, you know, nice throws and nice games throughout the year. You want ex- you don't want experience. You'd rather have Jake Fromm. So I just was making a joke about it. And lo and behold, if I didn't go to Athens with Tip Lynch in the first drive of the game, Jacob Eason gets hurt and Jake Fromm comes in. But you were and not only does wrong, he come though. in and wrong, start – he comes in and takes him to the national championship game. I mean, it's unbelievable, but I I predicted it though. I didn't I didn't think Easton would be hurt, but I kept saying Jake Ryan will be the starter week one. Now I'm going to say Jake Justin Fields starter week two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding.
1: Did you see what Kirby Smart said today on his on his presser? He did say that will, uh, the game will dictate who is going to play. So it'll be interesting. My
2: to see only thing plays. with Kirby is. I don't understand why he has to try to be like Saban. He doesn't have to He be. don't ha you don't have to get mad. You don't have to just find a reason to get mad at the media just to make happy. a point.
1: He's usually happy.
2: He was he didn't understand. He couldn't understand why Chip Towers would ask him the question.
1: Well, everybody gets mad at Chip Towers. I understand.
2: <laughs> I understand that no one likes him, especially in Athens. But again, why? I understand they're stupid questions. But I think Saban and Un Kirby enjoy making a statement to the media.
1: I guess the team pumped up.
2: I mean, if that's what Flo y'all's boat. I we mean, got. Do
1: you, do you want our guy to go to Waffle House after every game and sit and say hey to everybody? I mean, is that what you want? Thrift. I mean, we have
2: Joe Norman joining us. Uh, Demaro McMath. Thank y'all for comment. Thank y'all for joining us. Please share the video. Again, we have a lot. We're going to get into second half. We have forty five seconds left. So let me go ahead and. Play the music to play us
1: out can't believe you're just making fun of one of the greatest ever
2: when we come back from break we're going to give our SEC predictions Big Ten predictions uh, Super Bowl projections who we think our husband's going to be some fun stuff coming up NFL overreaction and more this is Drop the Gloves here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio if you cannot Listen on 88.5 WCUG. It's okay. Type in Thrift Behringer, and you can see me on Facebook Live and leave a comment below or call in at 706-507-8617. We'll be right back right after the break. Stay. back to the program here on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. And thank you all for dropping in on Drop the Gloves. We've been getting into a lot of the storylines that have happened around sports over the last two-month hiatus that we have been gone. One to Barfield to my left. We have a ton we still have left to get into in the last 30 minutes of the show. Again, you can follow the shows. Not only um, well, You can follow the show and listen to the show on SoundCloud. Go to... W, no, that is not it. Oh, yeah, 88.5 FM WCUG Cougar Radio, or, and follow uh, the WCUG Twitter and Instagram page, at Cougar Radio WCUG, Snapchat WCUG Music, and check us out on the website. You can listen to a live stream there, edu. Overreaction. Overreaction. I know I said before the break we are going to get into our college football you know playoff predictions and stuff. We're going to get into that momentarily. I want to do a little bit overreaction. It is the preseason, and many of the teams do not want to play in preseason games. Many coaches don't like doing it, and this is in the NFL. Players don't want to play in it. Majority of their stars, A.K. Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Devontae Freeman, they're not playing in these games. So how if can they do, you play
1: a couple drives
2: if, if at all? And Julio and Devontae not played the entire preseason. Ricardo Allen, who's on that Follow contract. Me. Yeah, and by the way, with Allen being out, DeMonte Casey has been a stud. If there's been any bright spot over the Falcons' lackadaisical preseason, it has been DeMonte Casey. Um, but...
1: when so he broke Mark, he's, he's
2: knee. Yeah, that was... But, but again, where do you want him to hit you at? I mean, that it's one of those things where he's coming in trying to make a play on the ball. It would have been a penalty happened. if he didn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Falcons have scored zero points and six points in two of the three preseason games this year, and there is a reaction that Steve Sarkisian should be fired. I was one of those that said that he should never have been hired, but we're here. I do not think that the notion for Falcons fans going into the season is to expect failure from your offense. Give it some time. Remember first season under Kyle Shanahan in 2015, Dan Quinn's first season, there were a lot of bumps and bruises in the road an 8-8 season after a 5-0 start. The next year... Matt Ryan wins MVP, and we're talking about how Kyle Shanahan's the best play caller in the NFL. I don't He'll think, is. and I, again, I don't think a lot of the supporting cast changed around them. The only addition was Mamet Sanu. I just think it was continuity and being able to learn the offense. Kyle now, Shanahan Sanu as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I'm going to give Steve Sarkeesian benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give him long term year, not half year, long term year, if you will. With bear with me on my definitions for football long-term year, please give him a full season to be able to find continuity with his quarterback, which is huge in having a great offense. You see it everywhere, whether it's Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, where it's Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady, or you can go back to Tom Moore, if you remember that window, and Peyton Manning. It doesn't matter who's there, Bruce Arians, Ben Roethlisberger, if there's got to be great continuity between the quarterback and the coach, and I think that's going to happen this season. But if you're Falcons fan, I, I will say this, though. I don't think this is going to be the team that scores 30 a game because I don't think it's going to be necessary for them to score 30 and throw it all over the field. Remember, in 2016, this defense was young. Improving, but young. Last year, they became a from a top 20 defense 2016 to a top 10 in 2017. I think this defense is going to take the stride to be top five. So we're going to give our NFL predictions next week, but this is just for overreaction. For everybody that's overreacting, these Falcons are going to be fine.
1: Uh, just, just real quick, uh, by the way, people, in I, I've been personally on the fire, train, and
2: I, I, I thought he should have been hired, but go ahead.
1: I agree, uh, after the Eagles game in the playoffs, uh, but looking at the 27 preseason going into that, I know it's preseason, you, don't, you shouldn't read a ton into it, but going into that, uh, the Falcons – uh, going in into the 2017 preseason, or actually 2016 preseason, they averaged uh, 25 points a game in that preseason. This past, uh, obviously this year, uh, with Kyle Shanahan his second year in 2016, I should preface, uh, averaged about 25 points per game in the preseason. This year, we're averaging about six or seven, if that. Um, I just don't think it's working. I don't think he has a rhythm as a play caller in the NFL. I just don't think uh, his scheme which is supposedly similar to Kyle Shanahan's but runs the ball a little more. I just don't know how it, it translates to the NFL when he passes on downs that he should run and throws on or downs that he should run or, you know, the opposite, vice versa. Um, like you said, I just don't know how he fits. Uh, obviously, the problems in his past have overpassed him, but I just don't see how he how he can stay in the NFL with the way he's calling plays.
2: I do agree with you that there has been, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, it's been a, a sight for sore eyes uh, this preseason offensively. But I'm going to give him a full season ahead. Right. I mean, there's nothing else you can do now. I mean, outside of firing him and making Greg Knapp, who's a great off-quarterbacks coach, former offensive coordinator, unless you want to let him be the play caller and fire Sykeson for the season starts, I think firing, hiring midseason right before the season start, or at the, or at the end of the season before the playoffs, any of that, and which I've never heard that before happen ever, um, I don't think that's good for a team. I really don't. Um, Again, check us out on Facebook Live. Leave a comment below or call in at 706-507-8617. Now it's time for our college football projections. Projections. Projections.
1: (sighs) Big old sigh for the Auburn fan.
2: Pac-12, I think we're both unanimous in agreement that it's Washington to lose, even though I do think Sanford wins the Pac-12 this year. I think the favorite is Washington. I think Sanford wins the Pac-12.
1: Well, I did say Chip Kelly has a good chance. I think you'll have a, a successful year, but I was just saying in regards to having a great season like we talked about, but uh, I still think Washington is the team to beat. I think talent-wise, even though they did lose some big players on the defensive line and some key uh, offensive starters, uh, I think the, I think Chris Peterson will have them ready to go again like they have the last three or four years.
2: If they lose to Auburn, is that a game that can make or break their season? Do you think if they lose to Auburn, can they still go in I and think, win the Pac-12? Because I, I think, think that's very possible and probably will happen. If if you want to get my early prediction for the Auburn Washington game,
1: I I think like last year with them only losing one game, I think it was the it they was lost it. two games, they uh, lost two games. That's right, they lost one game and they fell back pretty far. They
2: lost to Stanford, um, and then I forgot they lost to a team they shouldn't have lost, lost to two. later on the season. But I ahead. think
1: it was Arizona State or Arizona. Yeah, I think it was Arizona State. Anyway. Uh, I think it's theirs to lose, and I think Stanford would have a very good year. I just don't know their quarterback situation. It was Arizona State the yep. first time, and yep. then Stanford later like on the season. Yeah, right. I remember watching that game. Yep. Um, I just think Stanford. I don't know their quarterback situation. And yes, Bryce loves awesome, but he can only do so much like he's shown last year. And he's actually kind of an injury-prone guy, especially how much they run him. Yep. Um, he is very physical, but then again, and his Finnegan,
2: and he's, his body body type is not built to be in every he's down. He's not back. the biggest guy. No, he's elusive, and, and he's he's Barry Sanders but you want to give him the ball 45 times like carry on. I would think carry on's body ties better than his. And he even broke down. I, I don't, I mean, I, I may be wrong. I don't see that, that kind of load him being able to take.
1: And he could win the Heisman this year. If he stays healthy, it's just that ankle and his knees that hurt him last year, uh, from uh, honestly winning the Heisman. I think, uh, I think that's what kept him. And I obviously Baker had an amazing year last year, but I think, like I said, Washington, even though they lost a bit of a, and I forgot the wide receiver, they lost the draft. Uh, I think they'll still Pettis. be okay. Pettis,
2: yeah. Um, real quick, tier, team you're going to cheer for that, you know, is a team that no one is going to see winning that you want to see win. Mine is Utah. I, I'm like Kyle Whittenham. I thought they've had, you know, 2015 and 16 with both seasons that they could have won the Pac-12 South. They didn't. I think this is the year that they could with a wide-open race. I'm cheering for them. This not mean I'm thinking they're winning. I'm just we're giving a team that we want to cheer for that we want to win. I would like to see Utah win the Pac-12. Sell. You're going to
1: hate me. The Michigan Wolverines. I want Jim Harbaugh. I want him to shut every single. Well, I, I was just doing Pac-12. I was going to do I each. Con- oh, okay. I was just going to do each conference. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm jumping ahead. But I, I, I'm glad you said that because honestly, that's. I mean, we think alike. But go ahead. Who's your Pac-12? Now, real quick. Pac-12. Like I said, probably UCLA. I like when Chip Kelly's going to fun. It's fun to watch them when they play super fast. Even though when they get to the playoffs or the championship game, they're so dang tired from the year.
2: And if you want to see good conferences. And the reason why, you know, the Big Ten, whatever conference, is it the East with Penn State, Michigan State? Yeah, the West is okay. terrible. Okay, with the Big Ten East and the SEC West, I mean, look at the coaches they're hiring. you got to have elite coaches. Same thing in the ACC with Clemson, Florida State, Miami, went and got Mark Rake. I mean, these these conferences and these teams, UCLA, Chip Kelly, they're having to get top-notch coaches, which is what they need. And
1: they're realizing the investment's worth it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is the word I was trying to look for. Big 10, uh, I think this is going to be between – I'm
1: sorry, I jumped ahead. I, I was it's, thinking... No, it's okay. It's okay. I didn't, I wouldn't,
2: I didn't clarify and okay. wasn't uh, specific. Uh, I think this is going to be between Michigan and bear with me. I think Iowa wins the, oh instead of Wisconsin, and I think it's Michigan. I win the Big Ten championship game, and I think Michigan, is the Children's Hospital. And I think Michigan through? goes on to the national. I mean, goes on to the playoff. Not well, the national championship. Goes on to make the playoff this year. Iowa. I think Ohio State goes eleven and one this year, and their only loss is to Michigan at home.
1: Do you even know who Iowa's quarterback actually, is? Actually, you know what?
2: I'm going to say Ohio State <laughs> lose two games again this year, go 10-2. and two. Okay. Uh, yes, I do know who their their quarterback is, and I know I'm, I'm flicking to it right now. <laughs> Nate Stanley, who had 26 touchdowns, six interceptions. only reason I remember oh, this is because he had great stats last year. They returned their top two receivers. I know they, right. have, to re- uh, they re- have to replace their running back. Their defense is going to be back next year. Honestly, everybody's just buying into Wisconsin, which is a great team, great offensive line, good defense. I think it happens every couple seasons. Iowa manages to have a great team that year, and I think this is the year Iowa wins and goes and plays Michigan. Uh, Michigan State is going to go 10 and 2. Iowa State is going to go 10 and 2. Penn State's going 9 and 3. Michigan 11 1, 12 0. I think they lose to Notre Dame and still win out.
1: Uh, I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, I just want to pull for Jim Harbaugh this year. I don't know why. I hate that people think he's a terrible coach because he hasn't won a national championship. Uh, he took that team and went 10 2, I think, his first year at Michigan. I know he hasn't beaten Michigan State. I know he hasn't beaten Ohio State. I'm not taking that. I'm taking that into consideration as well. But people saying that he's not a great coach. He took uh, a 49ers team in two years to a, a Super Bowl. He took a Stanford team that was nothing. Uh, we're out recruited everybody uh, with a team.
2: I get what you're doing, but quick point: Can um, you at least say Skip Bayless is an idiot for saying that you, because all those points that makes him better than Nick Saban? He's not better. All those points, he's a great makes him make a great coach. Yes, those points are are for the argument that he's a good coach, not that he's better. than Nick Saban, continue.
1: Um, I agree. And out recruiting everybody at Stanford on the West Coast for a school where you have to have a, a higher GPA than everybody else. Yep. Um, I think he's an amazing coach and a great recruiter. Um, I just think this is the year he actually, especially with the Ohio State. Uh, allegations. I think those are going to be looming over them all season. I don't care if it's a three-game suspension for Urban Meyer. People are going to be all over them the entire year. Um, I just think it's the year for Michigan to prove everybody wrong with a weaker Penn State and a weaker Ohio State, and I don't think an overrated Wisconsin team. I don't know how how anybody thinks Wisconsin is a good team or, or it's a great team that can win uh, a championship with no quarterback. I just don't understand. They're not an Alabama that can play defense like anybody else. Um, I just think Michigan this year and, I, and Shea Patterson, who I think is a tad bit overrated, but I still think he can get the job done and, and let that defense play and have yeah. a decent running game and use those uh, athletes on the outside. And
2: I think, again, I think Jim Harbaugh's play calling is going to predicate to the strength of Shea Patterson, not Shea Patterson try to fit into the pro style of Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. I think he's going to open up his playbook more than he has over the last several seasons, which he has to after a bismal, bismal. Terrible offensive showing, uh, especially the last several weeks of the season last year. Um,
1: and, and let's just say, people, the reason why Shea Patterson left is because he got he got beat out at Ole Miss.
2: So Michigan's winning against Wisconsin, Big yeah, Ten championship. I, I
1: think they'll beat the Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship as
2: well. Pa- uh, Big Twelve. Everybody's saying the favorite's going to be Oklahoma. I'm as telling you right now, it's going to be Tom Herman and Texas is going to win the Big wow. Twelve this year. I'm telling you, everyone wants to do the hot, trendy pick, which is West Virginia. Everybody wants to talk about Kyler Murray and the best offensive play caller, Minnie's Call, and Lincoln Riley. I understand all that. I think Oklahoma is a great team. I think West Virginia is going to win nine or ten games this year. Even though I still not with a Dana Holgerson team, I'm never questioning their offense. Their defense is, is if so their bad. defense can actually be legitimate enough to make stops. Not stop someone the entire game. Make necessary stops that all championship teams have to do uh, down the stretch. And I don't think that they have the talent I, to do that. Uh, but I do think they have the talent to upset some teams and get on a hot streak with Will Guerrero, who may be the best quarterback in in college football, up there with Jared Sittum. <laughs> Drew anybody, Locke? You mean if, Drew Locke? If anybody can, saw the look I just gave Wendell. Oh. um, but, yeah, I'm going to Texas. Last year, I mean, everyone's making this point. I'm just going to regurgitate it. I mean, they had six games of, what was it, seven points or less, and either lost wins or Maryland lost it last game. year, lost to Maryland the first game. Honestly, they need to pick a quarterback in Elminger. Ellinger and uh, Shane Burkall, or what's his name? I forgot the freshman. Bushell, yeah. Shane Bushell, or Sam. I think it's going to be Sam. The biggest question mark, I don't think it's from the receivers. I don't think it's definitely not from their defense, which it was top-notch last year, top 15, 20, and it's not the talent. I think it's who's going to step up in the running game for Tom Herman. If you look how Tom Herman's been successful going back to his play calling days at Ohio State and at Houston, Ezekiel, he always had a top-notch runner. Or had a quarterback at Houston who I off the top of my head, who was elusive enough, like a Nick Marshall, who brought a different aspect to the running game that they just have to throw on. Uh, I don't think Bushell or Ellinger can take on and have a thousand yards rushing this year. I really don't. And they need a someone to step up. And with a timeout run offense, the best offense is when they ground and pound. I think something, one of those steps has to be made. I think it will be made. I think Texas goes 10 and 2, 11 and 1, and wins the Big 12. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I'm just going to pick the trendy pick. I think Oklahoma is the best team in the conference. I so you're Lincoln, buying in Murray? Yep. I think Lincoln Riley has asserted himself as possibly the best if not the best coach in the conference. Um they have a bunch of returning starters on defense. If you watched the Rose Bowl game last year, um a lot of those guys in the secondary were freshmen, a lot of the linebackers were freshmen. They're returning a lot of talent on defense, which they will be a lot better. And I know the Big 12 they're not predicated on defense or they're not known for their defense, especially of late in this last decade. Um but I think Kyler Murray will be just fine. I've heard he's looked great in camp, which obviously every quarterback looks great in camp. Yeah. Um, but their running game will be just fine. They always have running backs, and I think Kyler Murray will take reign of the offense, especially with a great play caller like Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. And I just, I think, I think Texas is one more year away under Tom Herman once they get that that elite recruiting class that. they're looking for. Um, and I think that quarterback, one of their quarterbacks, I forgot his name, being one year away because they had that freshman that played last year. And like you said, their defense is very good. But I just think Oklahoma, talent-wise, is going to out-talent them and outplay them when it comes to it at the Red River Showdown.
2: Uh, one team that I am cheering for in that division, uh, I'm cheering again for Iowa in the Big Ten. Uh, I just I like Kirk Ferentz. Uh, in the Big 12, a team that I'm cheering for is not Iowa State. I know I just flipped to them. Um, it's a tie because I, I'm really torn right now. It's between West Virginia and TCU. I like Gary Patterson. I know I was just clowning West Virginia, but I do like watching West Virginia score touchdowns. I have a buddy of mine who's a big fan, and they have never taken that step. Ever since 2007, when they were number two in the nation, 10-1, and one, and played Pittsburgh, who was 4-7 at home, and lost that abysmal game 13-7, 13-9, whatever it was, they have not re- recovered as a national prominence or a national contender. Um, I would like to see that this year. What about you?
1: Um, Honestly, just Kansas State. Bill Snyder got a five-year I, I, contract I was extension. Put, he was one of them.
2: He was one of them that I was going to put in there. I just like them.
1: seeing them play every year. I do With too. Bill Snyder being held up like the weekend at Bernie's on the sideline. <laughs> like Joe Paterno. <laughs> so, yeah. but uh, uh, It's just always fun watching them. They always end up upsetting someone. Uh, just I just like Bill Snyder, pretty much. That's it.
2: In the ACC, uh, Clemson-Miami. Again, for the... Uh,
1: if you don't pick Clemson, you're probably wrong.
2: Yeah. Clemson's making the playoff this year. Um, and then in the other division, uh, definitely going to go Miami. Uh, surprise team, team that I'm cheering for. I like Duke. I like David Cutcliffe. I've always been a big fan of his. I know they've won a coastal division before. I would like to see them win again, but I do think this is going to be Clemson-Miami. I think both of them could be undefeated or at least how only have one loss contending for a national championship or a place in the playoff. I like Miami. I like Clemson. But a team, and I know I just said Duke, and I just, God. This is terrible. I apologize. I don't know how I completely forgot about this. We have to hurry so we can get to the SEC. Boston College returns 10 starters on offense. You're going they off return the A.J. Dillon, who was a seventeen hundred yard 100-yard runner last year. They return their quarterback, and this is probably by far the best team Siva Dazio's had at Boston College. They've won seven games three of the last four seasons. I like what Boston College is doing this year. I actually like them to win eight or nine games and maybe upset at Clemson, Florida State, or um, Louisville.
1: Um, For my surprise team, I would – it's probably no surprise. It's going to be Miami. Um, I think they're the only shot to beat Clemson or take Clemson out. You actually have them win in the ACC? Don't have them win, but I'm saying for surprise. Oh, gotcha, team, gotcha, for gotcha. surprise team. Yeah. Uh, I think Mark Rick's done a great job, uh, and I'm excited to see their defense, who is returning a bunch of young uh, freshmen. They didn't lose a lot to the draft. Uh, returning quarterback as well. Uh, they did lose the running back, but their offensive line's coming back. They're going to be very exciting. It's just going to be very tough for them to beat Clemson, especially in the ACC championship game with possibly three three first round draft picks on Clemson's defensive line. And I'm and obviously I'm a Mark Rick guy as well. So
2: it's time. SEC projections. We already know where he's going. The East, they're going undefeated. They're twelve and 0. I just don't, I, they're I, twelve and zero, and they're playing Bama, who's gonna be undefeated too. So y'all, y'all, y'all wait for me now.
1: T- tell me a team on our schedule that we don't have more talent than and tell us a team that we have to play that's tough on the road other than South Carolina L S U. And LSU, I don't think that will be that tough of a opponent.
2: Georgia wins East. They go eleven and one. Florida is by far the most improved team in the SEC this year. They go nine and three, ten and
1: two. Thank you for not saying South Carolina. They lost just as many. South players Carolina as does go nine and three, and this is by
2: far the best South Carolina team we've seen since two thousand thirteen with Connor Shaw. Over the last four, leaving no, I that's five years ago. Do you agree? I totally agree. This is their best. Their, be- their best team. In the West, though, I have Alabama. Finishing twelve and zero, playing Georgia eleven and one. Who's Georgia's one loss? You ask. And there's two scenarios that I see happening. I see Auburn finishing ten and two, or eleven and one. Ten and two, and they lose either at Mississippi State or at A and M, but manage to beat Georgia and then lose for a winner take all against an undefeated Alabama team with one loss last game of the season in Tuscaloosa. Or they'll be undefeated, and they'll be the first ever one versus two Iron Bowl. And Trump the 2013 2017 game, but Bama managed to win a great game and go on to play Georgia. And Georgia, I just I think Auburn wins that game. I really do. I think in, in Athens, in Athens, I, I really do. I just have a feeling that that game has been circling on the calendar since last year when their season was ruined in Atlanta. Now I do agree that Georgia may have the better team. If they're both undefeated and Auburn's ranked, you know, second because they have the better schedule, who knows what the you know, they could be second with playing Washington, LSU, AM by then. Georgia's schedule's weak and trash, just like Alabama. So Auburn could be number two versus Georgia number three. Will you be willing to say that Auburn, Alabama, I mean, Auburn and Georgia are not even talent wise by then? If they're both undefeated? That's fair. Yeah. So at that point, I think it's really a coin toss. I mean, the edge goes to you being at home field, but with my concern
1: one, with Auburn is the four new starters on the offensive line.
2: Which I agree, but the one thing that keeps teams and games on the road is having a great defensive line, which Auburn does have. Yep. There's a ton of talent Fair. on there. Now, next year is maybe something different, but this year there's a ton of talent on Auburn's team. If Auburn goes 11-1 and and their only loss is Alabama, they're making the playoff because that means they would have beat Washington, who I think is going to go 10-2, 11-1, win the Pac-12. They would have won at AM, at Mississippi State, at Georgia, and their only loss is two at number one Alabama, and I think Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship well, game. Georgia well, goes eleven and two.
1: Let me ask you this this question: You said Alabama's beating Georgia, though. Yeah, game. I don't. I think if there's going to
2: be two SEC teams this year, it's going to be like last year: the loser at the SEC West if they only have one loss, Lost. and the winner of the SEC championship, championship game. game. I don't think if Georgia goes twelve and zero and plays Alabama twelve and zero. Actually, if I they y'all both go twelve and zero, I can see you making it. But if you have one loss, loss which already. I think Correct. I don't That's think fair. you're going to make
1: it. That's and, and let me ask you this, just just curiously, uh, as an Auburn being a, a power running team, you're not worried. I'm just I'm just asking you: Are you not worried that uh, you're not having that established running back, a big guy that can run between the tackles? With and four I'm glad new, you got into and it. Can you, and can Stidham carry the load throughout the year and throw the ball thirty to forty times a game? Can he do that?
2: This is four minutes left. Um, we're going to give our playoff, so we got to really hurry. But yep. I, I just real quick, Auburn-Washington game is really the only game to talk about this weekend because I think Miami's going to beat LSU. L- we both agree LSU's trash. Ed Orger on fire by the end of the season? For sure. Okay. Um, Auburn versus – and you're asking my biggest question, Mark. It's got to be that can Sidham take the load – and take the pressure that Washington's going to show. They return a because lot of players on defense. you're not going to have that carry on. You know, I, don't I don't care I c- who it is. I completely agree. And can Auburn win by running back by committee? I think this offense is going to be different. I think it's going to predicate to Jared Siddham's strengths, which is throwing the football. And honestly, I, I know your biggest question mark is the running backs. I think it has to be the receivers. Because okay. Auburn has had this streak of seven straight years of 1,000 yards. I think someone's going to have 1,000 yards. Now, there's not going to be a carry-on that takes over a game. But there's going to be at least a decent running back that they can hand off to. My question is, it's going to take a minute for that running game to get going. So until that happens, you have to rely on Jared Sittum and his arm. Can the development of the receivers from Auburn go from good last year to what they should be with their talent great this year? That's my biggest question mark. you got Jordan and Bama who you got to win the SEC championship game. Georgia? <laughs> I'm just
1: going to go home. I'm just going to say It's Georgia, fine. No, it's just, fine. Just because I think Georgia has caught up with Alabama and talent. Okay. Um, I think the quarterback situation, I don't care who Alabama plays, I think Georgia's quarterback situation will be better at this point. I think Georgia's running game will be better at this point. Um, Alabama, who's already kind of thin on linebacker. Um, will I be think, even more thin I by then. I think possibly even more thin by then, which is kind of hard to predict uh, injuries. Uh, but I, just talent-wise, I'm just going to go with the homer pick. I just think Georgia is caught up with Alabama at this point, and I think this is actually a good year for Georgia to beat Alabama just because of the lack of depth at linebacker and maybe not the, the best defensive line play uh, from two, Alabama. Two minutes, playoff predictions.
2: I'm going to go with it since you, you're you doing the same thing. I got Alabama win the SEC Championship game making the playoff. You got Georgia making the playoff. You got Clemson. We both got Clemson, Clemson making sure. the playoff.
1: Clemson is a shoe win. You need to bet on them now. We
2: both have Michigan making the playoff. Nope. No, you don't have Michigan. Who do you have?
1: I have Oklahoma at third. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I have Notre Dame at number four. I can't sand you.
2: (laughs) I really can't sand you. I have Notre Dame at number four. That was really one of my my tougher ones that I was going to pick. Yeah. Um, I
1: think with their schedule, they have a tough schedule this year. I think they have six ranked opponents right now in their schedule. And And they play ACC teams now. It's not like they play some Navy and... And army like and all these uh, air force teams every single year now independent teams that aren't really that aren't really that great they're playing ACC teams now and actually have uh, pretty good teams and I think that Brandon Wimbush coming back and them coming back with a lot of starters on defense I think it'll be good for them to come out and uh, actually show everybody that they have a decent team and they can make the playoff my playoff and they also don't have to play in the ACC championship
2: my number five team the Notre ain't Fighting Irish.
1: Number five, okay. Yes,
2: the number four team, 11-1, and Auburn Tigers. What? <laughs> the number three team, Michigan Wolverines, Big Ten champs. Number two, Clemson. And number one, Alabama. We're
1: going to have to find out some like, losing bet. for now, got the least That's not going to be the order because they're not going to want
2: Alabama-Auburn playing in the first playoff. They want for that sure. for the championship. So it's probably going to be Michigan with a one-loss being number four, and Auburn with one-loss being number three with, a, with probably a tougher strength of schedule. Uh, but then again, Clemson could lose one game and still make it number four, and then we just swap it around Clemson-Alabama part four. Thank you all for listening to Drop the Gloves. That is our predictions. We'll get an NFL next, year, next week. We'll go into – Week one review and week two preview. Overreactions and more. Maybe man in the mirror. Who knows? Just drop the gloves. Wendell Barfield on 88.5 WCUG Cougar Radio. Thanks for listening. This is 88.5 WCUG Lumpkin, Columbus. Cougar
1: Radio.